Hell yeah, man. <laughs> Shit bowling ideas back and forth. Hippie science. Right. right. It's not science science. It's almost like I'm trying to call for just people to just be better. That we could have some kind of study on these types of Her mother was on board, I guess. Of course yeah. she was. She got pre and board and didn't have to fuck the man to do it. <laughs> Our devil's advocate type stance here. See you Jessica. And you're Seth. And this is the Hippie Science Variety Hour. So we've been talking about aphantasia. I thought it was which sounds like Aphantasia, aphantasia, whatever. It all still sounds like that Disney movie. It does sound like Anastasia. Yeah. It really, no, no, really no, no. The, does. The, that movie Fantasia. Oh, Fantasia. I thought it sounded yeah. like Anastasia. Okay, okay. I'm with you. It does. Yeah, and I, I kind of wish I <clears throat> looked into the origins of why Fantasia was called Fantasia now. <laughs> but... um. So you you told me about this. I hadn't really heard of it, but I'd thought of it before. You know, I didn't I didn't have a word to uh, like a name to put with it. Well, the but way I heard about it, it didn't have the name with it. It started with somebody tweeting that they really wish they had the internal monologue like what happens in the movies that they really wish that was real. And it kind of spun into that and went viral into people discussing it and figuring out if you're a sociopath <laughs> a sociopath i didn't i get, don't know I didn't it that seems far into it why that, would you be a that's sociopath just, that's where it gets to me like i feel like it's an, an inability to project and an inability to hear like that inner voice you know i don't so, know i completely disagree i feel like it could be paired with some mental illnesses i feel like it could be yeah, so it actually is, but so here's the thing: uh, aphantasia or aphantasia, however you'd rather, <laughs> rather pr- pronounce it. I'm sure Whether it's, it's, it's fancy one of those things. Or not. Well, I'm sure it's one of those things. Like, you know, I, obviously I've taken a lot of science courses, and I swear every third teacher I had pronounced the same shit differently. You know. Oh yeah. So people say a lot of those biological words all, all kinds of different ways. People that are professionals in the field, even. Um, I had a, a professor that said uh, metastasize as metasized. I, I actually, when I wanted to go to med school and I was volunteering in a hospital, I was uh, I was in the room for a procedure that was being done. And it was like a, a resident doing the procedure and an, an attending overseeing it. And the attending's like talking them through what to do. And um, there's, there's a part of your stomach, I think it's the one that... Um, it's like the 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 lower part of your stomach that that's just about to empty out into your small intestine. Um, mm-hmm. Most people call that the duodenum, or that's like the first part of the small intestine. It's been a while since I took A and P, but uh, the I've always heard it called the duodenum. That's one of those that's that's not like widely different in my experience. And the doctor, the attending, kept saying, "Okay, now look into the duodenum." No, that's what I learned it as is the duodenum. Duodenum? Yep. Right. And I think we went to the same like We did. Yeah. So So that that just goes I don't to know. show you. Um but so aphantasia or aphantasia, I'm i I'm probably gonna say it both ways. Um King Horick actually had a tweet like this the other day that said, Do you say data or data? And I said it probably depends on uh how smart I'm trying to sound at the moment. 
<laughs> so okay, same shit, right? Yeah. Once I once I once I just get used to saying it, I'll probably say it the 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 dumber way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so aphantasia isn't the internal monologue thing. Aphantasia no, it's the visualization. Is, yeah, it's the visualization thing. The way you had initially uh, presented it to me was that's the internal monologue thing. But I mean, they they're closely related, I would think. Yeah, it's kind of it's very similar i couldn't find the specific name for not having an internal monologue when you look that up and look for yeah when you look for the scientific version of that everything that comes up is aphantasia so i believe that it might be just varying degrees of it is what i understood it as from the ted talk uh i don't know i don't know because they so they deal with different parts of the brain uh the the internal monologue thing has to do with Broca's area, which you know, it you, if you get uh, damage to Broca's area, it's it's one of those situations where like if you try to talk, then you know you might know what you're saying in your head, but you can't like actually form the words. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, there's another one that people get confused with, and I desperately hope to fuck that I'm not doing that right now, <laughs> is Wernicke's area, where when someone talks to you, you can't under like you you know you're someone who's spoken english your whole life but all of a sudden you can't put the words don't make sense to you anymore it's okay. like they might as well be speaking a foreign language i'm pretty sure broca's area is the one where yeah like it has no context right so this it okay. seems it seems to work in a, a similar way where like broca's area just isn't active in the same way that it is in the majority of people i believe it's the majority of people where yeah uh like we have sentences, you know, grammatical thoughts running through our mind all the time where these people who have this this lack of an internal monologue, it's just like free-flowing thought. They don't have to put it in those grammatical constraints, which seems like it could be kind of an advantage. Really? See, I'm such a visual thinker that there's damn near a cartoon version of what's going on in my head. Yeah. So, imagine just being able to convey those ideas to yourself without having to put it in any context. I can't grasp that. Like, yeah. my brain cannot grasp that. But, so, think about how much faster you might be able to think if it's like, there's a concept, and, yeah, I'm just dealing with the concept right now. I don't have to put it in any kind of context other than exactly what it is to me. Yeah, there was this one part in a Q&A that I watched between an individual that was a visual thinker and someone that was not a visual thinker that she finished, the one that was not a visual thinker, finished tests earlier because it was just processing of information instead of like whenever I take a test, I can remember where, where that piece of information was at on a page that I studied. Right. That's how I'm that visual. I listened to her, a TED however, talk where someone who had that lack of a, you know, mind's eye said she feels like that's cheating. Really? Okay. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah, because she just has to know the concepts. She has down. to retain the information. Yeah. Which yeah. that's that's part okay. of the reason why I think it might be somewhat of an advantage because like I, I do that same sort of thing where I'll remember, oh yeah, it was on you know, in that like dot like that 
example box on the left side of page, you know, 400 or something. Right, right. Because I looked at that page so much. But for them, it's like, no, no, I'm just going to learn this concept and boom. But see, I feel like that's how I do learn the concept. That's how I recall the concept. It is. Yeah, they're skipping a step. Yeah. Okay, so you see it as they're skipping a step. I see it as they're missing a step. It's the same sort of thing, right? It's, it's I get. I know. I see what you're. I know it's the same thing, but I'm like, I don't know. It seems like it's a disadvantage to me when it comes to creative thinking. I can see where it would be an advantage with analytical things, but when it comes to creating, I wonder if they have a harder time accessing that part. It might be, but it it could also just be that some people have strengths. In, in some ways and others don't. The one thing I, I was thinking about when I heard someone explaining this was um, like not, not just a visual thing, but the internal monologue thing is how um, like, you know, you, like when you're counting something, I'm thinking mm-hmm. like one, two, three, four, five, six in my head. Right. I wonder, because one of the people said, sometimes I will just have to talk out loud. And while I'm talking out loud, it'll be, Yeah. One, two, three, four, five. They didn't mention counting specifically, but to get through a complex topic, you know, maybe like a social issue, instead of talking it through in their head, they'll have. They have to verbalize it. Yeah, they have to verbalize it. Yeah, yeah. That was in one of the Q&As that I saw as well, that it was instead of thinking, thinking it out, they have to verbalize it. I wonder if that accounts for so many people that talk to themselves all the time. Cause I yeah. know people that are incapable of not talking to themselves. I mean, I do it from time to time, especially the more stressed out I am or the more tired I am, the more I do it. But I wonder if the people like my mom, for instance, talks, has conversations with herself. I wonder if she's incapable of having that internal monologue. Maybe. I, I really wonder how much more common it is than we than we realize. Yeah. So, you know, there's 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 a lot of ways it could go. But I, I think it's really interesting. And I wonder how often, you know, it it crosses over for for people when we're having, you know, different experiences. Because, I mean, think like if I get really frustrated, I might start uh, you know, whispering to myself under my breath. Right. It's like. Right. Right. If I've overloaded my my brain with something that's that's like not allowing me to think clearly you know i might just be like saying it out loud instead of thinking it the way that i would yeah i also I wonder the same thing yeah so you know we talk about psychedelics a lot on this podcast right yes and we do. i wonder if when you take psychedelics i mean you could probably speak to this better than i could but if you take psychedelics then, you know, there's like a, a lot of people explain, you know, describe this like huge rush of thoughts and emotions that come over you, like more than you can, mm-hmm. more than you can put into. You can't process them. Yeah, as fast you as can't process coming. it. And I wonder if it's more like that for people who don't. Right. And they would be more adept in those type of situations. Oh, okay. I did not even consider that when I was... Now, I did consider how psychedelics would affect them differently. Yeah. But I did not consider if they would be more sensitive, I guess, to being able to experience it. Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
we need a volunteer that has aphantasia. Yeah. I'm not saying I can hook I, you up with the drugs, but I'm saying I'm not if either, you do but them, I need to discuss it with you. <laughs> right. We need to have a discussion. If you have this, look us up. Right. We need to have a discussion. Um yeah, but I also like and and it's one of the things that th- this is the way that I've thought about it before. Right. So I had uh, I had an English professor once who I, I really loved. He opened my eyes to a lot of different things. He said, our language is the operating system that we work on. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, holy shit, that makes so much sense. I've never thought about it that way because it absolutely is, you know. Right. Um, especially, I mean, when you think about um, you think about languages that have more or less like gendered stuff. Right. Like, you know, in Spanish, like inanimate objects get gendered, you know. Right. Right. In English, we have a lot of uh, gendered things, which is part of the difficulty a lot of people are having with uh, trans stuff where they're wanting to, you know, make it so that the language is more inclusive so that we think say things in a more inclusive way. But I'm right, because then that'll affect the mindsets as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think about how. Like the languages that we speak are sort of our operating system for people who do have an internal narrative, but then the people who don't they're it's like they're running a completely different operating system. They can have huge advantages and huge disadvantages. No, I totally agree with you. I'm wanting to, I feel like I need to talk to somebody that has this because I've got so many fucking questions. Yeah. This is just like the level to which this has blown my mind that I cannot wrap my head around not having that visualization or not having that internal monologue. That just, that seems incredible to me. One advantage that I did think about was with depression. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they have a lesser occurrence of depression or if it just comes in a different form. I would expect because, that it you comes know, in a different form, but I okay. I thought about that too. How, you know, when when you're depressed, you can get really down on yourself, and you know, internally, yeah, and you just talk terrible to yourself. You talk terribly to yourself. Yeah, you start feeling worthless, and you're constantly reinforcing that with your own internal monologue. And it can even trigger. I mean, like that can even trigger your depression if you're getting into that like terrible thinking, toxic thinking. Where and that can just spiral into a depressive episode. I'm with you 100%. Uh, another thing I was wondering about is you know, you talk about your Lyme brain all the time, right? Yeah, um, and obviously, I haven't experienced that myself, but the way that you kind of talk about it, it's like sometimes it's just like a, a flood, like an overwhelming amount of things happening in your head so that you can't mm-hmm. sort them out. Is that yeah? That's correct. It's sensory overload. Yeah, on, on every level, like it just feels like the dam has broken, and every feeling, thought, emotion I've ever could possibly have, plus some I can't even name, is happening at the same time. Right. So imagine, yeah. imagine you did to process that you didn't have to put it in the context that you put it in now. That I just allow it to happen. Yeah, maybe? that it just happens, and you're used to it happening like that. So to process it, you don't have to like talk through it with yourself because necessarily okay. you can only talk through one of these things at a time. Now, I right, d- right. I don't know if you know someone who isn't experiencing this sort of visual or audible internal 
you know images or dialogue they're not they're not having to put it in in that type of context like they can just say okay here's this emotion that's happening right now and here's this emotion that's happening right now and it's all kind of a big mishmash of stuff happening and it's just like oh yeah well that's what i do when i'm busy anyway you know versus okay. versus like yeah. if it were me and i was having a, a sensory overload like that i'd have to be like okay your head hurts but it's okay because you can take some ibuprofen or something and you'll feel better and you know you've got all this to do and it's overwhelming because you have all this you know i'm 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 single tracking each one of them and i'm trying to do right. it all at once and i just start feeling like like i'm bursting at the seams kind of like mm-hmm. i i can't focus on enough things at once you know it's it's the type of thing that'll happen to me if you know say i'm working or something and there's 45 different things that need to be done immediately yeah so that's the feeling that panic and that like where do i even begin that's the like the anxiety part of the line brain like you have so many things coming at you at once and you have no idea where to even start it's all scrambled eggs and the yolks and the whites are all mixed up Right, so I think yeah, there, there would be real advantages in that type of situation. Likely, there would be real advantages. I could see that. Yeah, and I wonder if those people are more empathetic toward like animals and stuff, right? See, I wonder if they have a harder time expressing themselves to their human counterparts. Maybe. Like, they have a hard... Maybe having a harder time... Because how I relate to people and like express myself is a lot of metaphors and a lot of you know how we break things down on here oftentimes I go and verbally describe a mental image I'm having right to to explain it to myself a visual concept so I wonder if they have a harder time expressing the less concrete things and more of those visual concept type things do you see what I'm saying yeah yeah I do I feel like, so I, I wonder, so I, I do think there's distinct advantages, but I also think there's probably distinct disadvantages, right? I wonder if it's yeah. harder to think on your feet, right? Like, um, oh, okay. Like the, the way that we do here, half the time we come into this podcast having virtually no idea what the fuck we're going to talk about. Right. Well, I mean, we have a topic idea we a topic that we've idea. researched. Don't discredit us. I'm not dis- Shit. No, I'm not, I'm not discrediting us. But like, but before we did this podcast, you were like, hey, did you do any research? And I was like, yeah, of course. And you were like, yeah, I did some. But, you know, I'm going to want you to cover the sciencey stuff more. Yeah, because I dug more into like, how would this affect somebody? Yeah. That just blew my mind away. Yeah. And we we... I purposefully didn't talk about this when we were talking before the show because I wanted to I wanted to bring it up and like have our reactions to what each other say be like as new as possible, right? Authentic. Yeah. 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 So like I mean sometimes we'll talk about something before the show, but with this exactly like I wanted to see how you would come back from what I just said about Lime Brain from like okay yeah from an, an emotional play in the psychedelic thing i figured you probably hadn't thought about that right no i hadn't so i wonder if someone who isn't able to like think about what they're going to say in their head before they say it i wonder if they have a harder time uh rolling with the punches in that kind of a way 
or do you think they have an easier time since they don't since they don't have what you referred to earlier as that extra step maybe it's just not you know process think formulate an opinion and then speak it it's just formulate opinion speak it yeah see i don't know you know so maybe they're maybe they're more quick-witted yeah see i i feel like it's one of those things where it's it's a real toss up and it might be it's probably unique to the individual you know it probably is it's probably more of a personality thing just like how comedy is across the board and you know right. having that timing yeah the another thing i th- i thought was interesting that one of these people brought up is that like reading books reading fiction that books that blew my mind yeah because Ooh. you can't you can't like build the world in in your uh brain like uh, one of the 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 main one I was listening to that that uh, sort of seemed the most relatable to me said that she preferred reading nonfiction because what's the point in just learning a bunch of facts about a fictional character? About the, yeah, about a not real place yeah. with the not real people. That really was really cool to me. But what also gets me is like, how can you, even when I read nonfiction... I mean, even when I read... Wait, hang on. I'm going to get confused. Even when you read nonfiction, okay. you're picturing what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I read... That's just how I process information. So I guess it it goes back to what you said. They're just running a different processing system than we are. Yeah, it's a different OS, you know? It's it's just... um, It's, it's, it's Mac and PC. <laughs> I, don't, I don't use Linux, but I imagine it's very different from the rest of them. <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, Mac and PC are still running, you know, a a, a kind of fairly similar, code, you know. Yeah. But. Hmm. Yeah. It's 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 a lot, right? It's it's something that I desperately wish we could talk to someone about because it's it's just one of those things where you you need the perspective of that person. You really do. What blew my mind? I think the um, Q and A when we watched the same one. Because the lady was, was the saying, couple? "Yeah, yeah." Where she they have red sheets. I don't remember their yeah. sheets. Right I remember now. Her, him saying, "Okay, so if I if I say picture the color red," she said, "Oh, I'm just right." She thinks things of things that, that are, are red. red. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So same one. So when she said, when she watches a movie that's been ad- adapted, ad hmm. adapted, adapted from a book that like if she's watching Harry Potter, you know, she's like, Oh, that's what Harry looks like. Yeah. Well, she but said she Ron has Weasley, no, but uh, well, whichever. <laughs> um, and then there's another one that she said, if her significant other is not in front of her, she does not she, recall what he looks yeah, like. Yeah, She can't picture his face. Yeah. That it's descriptors like brown hair, blue eyes, big nose, a little mouth or something, but it's not actually who they are are yeah so that made me think i wonder if they have a harder time recognizing people they haven't seen for a long time no she had, like if you're walking down the street i don't know if it was that oh, i don't remember that part uh, yeah i don't it might have been a different video but uh someone said oh no i ran into someone from high school who i hadn't seen in 15 years i knew this person immediately but i hadn't okay i didn't have like i didn't have a picture of them in my mind if I tried to think like you couldn't say their name and then picture what they thought, but they could recall who they were. Okay. Hmm. Man, this is fucking fascinating. How do people live like this? 
yeah, it's what I wonder. And so this is going to sound absolutely horrible, but like earlier when I said, I wonder if they're more empathetic with animals, you know, obviously these people are not animals, but it sounds a lot more like what you would imagine one of your pets thinks like, you know, cause they're not using an internal monologue at least, you know, they might think visually, but you know, I, you know, I, I used to hunt when I was a kid and I always wondered like what the deer would be thinking. Right. It's like they're operating yeah. on pure instinct. Right. Yeah. No, clearly no imp like clearly these people have the, the, you know, ability to intellectualize things, you know, but I wonder if because they think in this way, they like, you know, say if your cat's not feeling well or something, you're like, oh, he's probably not feeling well and I can do this to soothe him because I know like I'm, the way that I think is closer to the way that it thinks. Oh, you feel like maybe they're better with animals. Yeah. With, okay. Okay. You took a minute to get there. I'm catching back up. Yeah. Um, not to say that, <laughs> not, not to say that these people are, are functioning just at the level of animals by any, by any stretch. No, but that they can relate to them better. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Like say, like when I moved, my cats were absolutely fucking terrified. You know, like when we got right. into the new place, they ran and hid for like a day. Right. Now, I wonder if a person who thinks like that, you know, has has like a different kind of connection with the animal so that they can go and be like, oh, no, if I if I do the small thing that will make it feel more like the old home and it will recognize it in a way that like you and I wouldn't see that they could do something okay. to make that that, you know, cat or something uh, like a little safe space so that it doesn't feel so freaked out until it necessarily has to venture out to eat or something. Inquiring minds want to know. I don't know where to even go with that. Wow. Okay. Maybe. It's interesting, right? Yeah, it really is. And I mean, hmm. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I really, I do lean more, more heavily on the side of this being, a little bit like an extra ability more like because I feel like you're just not constrained in the same ways that you know I am see that's totally different than the way the perspective that I took on it I felt like you know these people are missing out on so much because of how and that's probably because my my visualization the vivid nature of it is literally like watching a movie in my head like yeah. To the nth degree. And it's usually fucking hilarious. Uh, so I, I feel I like they were missing. You. It really is. Yeah. I it's really like on my own little cartoon up there. Yeah. I, I really man, I would love to see the the way that the like I would love to see you know, brain scans and stuff on these people. I'm sure it's been done. I would too to see I wanna see like what centers in their brain light up when they're doing something creative as opposed to someone that is a visual thinker, you know, when they're creating. Yeah. Well, it, it seems to me like you, you've come down a lot more on the creative end of it. Whereas I, I, I really do. It, That's what I feel like it's a stumbling block. Yeah. And, and it might be, 
I would wonder. I would also wonder though if it, if it's someone who doesn't have um, so someone who doesn't have an internal monologue but does have uh, like doesn't have aphantasia where they can't see things but doesn't have an internal monologue, right? Has a has a visual eye but a not a visual voice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I I wonder if they could be even better artists, right? Because the the whole world that they're uh, like they think purely visually okay yeah like i wonder if we could go back and look at some of the great artists over time like picasso or something if he had that sort of a situation going that would be really really interesting i bet that i mean how else could you explain someone coming up like salvador Dali coming up with that with his clocks and the melting universes and things like that. Oh, unless mushrooms. he was a solely, well, besides that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's definitely I mean, a, like a well-known drugs. thing with a lot of, a, a lot of artists that they have psychedelic inspired art. Oh yeah. And opium was really big back then. Yeah. Well, I, obviously I've never done opium. Well, I don't know if it's, obvious, I haven't either. I, haven't. <laughs> so. I have not done opium. Let's make that very clear. Okay. <laughs> How? No way. I take that back. Oh, after a oh surgery. God. No, this was legal okay. after a surgery, which I didn't even know. It was after my hysterectomy. I didn't know that they still prescribed opium suppositories, but they do. Really? Yeah. That was a wild ride. I totally forgot about it. I think there's a Louis that was interesting. That. Really? Yeah. Where he, he talked about going, having really bad stomach pain and he goes into the, um, emergency room and goes um yeah my stomach hurts really bad and they're like how bad and he's like fucking 10 who's not gonna say 10 <laughs> and a lot of people would not say 10 louis just a fucking yeah. animal and um they're like oh so you must be having really severe spasms uh here look we have this opium suppository and um yeah go on and pop it on in there and he was like you know i felt weird about putting something up my ass but as soon as i put it in there uh, I felt the greatest pleasure I'd ever felt radiating directly from my asshole. Yeah, you got war- you get like warm from your brown hole out. Yeah, <laughs> it's real I mean, weird. <laughs> yeah, it it sounds. It's like a hug it. from your butthole. It's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it, but right. a a lovely well, not a not a nasty hug like a lovely hug a sweet embrace from your anus. Well, you know, moving yeah. on, moving on from that. Why don't we show, uh, give a sweet embrace to our delightful uh, uh, Lime Warrior? I am already on it. All right, good. Lime Warrior is a team of sick people and advocates fighting for better treatment, testing, and understanding of Lyme disease. We're working towards funding medical research, raising awareness, and improved quality of life for impoverished Lyme Warriors. As a 501c3 nonprofit organization, we would love to have others join us in this movement. Find us at www.limewarrior.us and across all social media platforms as Lime Warrior US. So, one of the interesting things I saw about this is how some people would have the sort of the the opposite of an advantage that I'm talking about in this, right? Uh, so some people with the in that do have an internal monologue, 
don't have the ability. What well, it's speculated that they don't have the ability to recognize that their internal monologue is self-generated, right? Oh. So they think that they're hearing voices in their head, okay, but it's so really it's really just them. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the ways that they talk about schizophrenia. Um, yeah. But I don't I don't know that it's directly schizophrenia but related. could be related yeah re- but along those same lines similar characteristics yeah so i wonder i wonder about that how hmm. a, and i wonder if a person who hasn't had an internal monologue their whole life suddenly develops schizophrenia like i wonder if they could okay, okay. yeah does that make sense yeah, it does. I'm not I'm I'm processing it. Hang on. I'm trying processing. to I feel like they could because I feel like that when you develop those mental illnesses, it's already a degeneration or a mutation or, you know, something's gone wrong anyways. So I feel yeah. like well, you I think could still have that go wrong. Of, yeah, I think schizophrenia is an excess of uh like dopamine. I believe it's dopamine. It's one of the, I, don't, I don't know it well yeah. enough to speak on it's it. It's one of the neurotransmitters where uh, like too much of it gets produced and it like floods out the fucking neurons. Mm-hmm. But see, some people with with schizophrenia kind of, I mean, they have visuals that go along with it. Yeah, you so, know where they see the altars, right? So I was wondering about that, too. I wonder, because the way that we've been talking about it, I feel like we might not have been entirely clear. I don't think these occur. I don't think the aphantasia, where you see, like, you don't have a a visual in your head, is quite the same. Like, I don't don't think they're, I don't want to use the word comorbid, because that's, it sounds bad. And I think these are just people who think differently. But right. I don't think they occur like I don't think they coincide all that much. Like they definitely do in some people, but I don't think because it's it's different. Like one of them is to do with the way you're visually processing things. And one of them is language processing. And those are different parts of the brain entirely. Like they're not even in the same neighborhood. Um, I feel like they do overlap, though, because it's all talking about your mind's eye. So to talk about more of a woo-woo side of it, it has to do, like, from that approach of it, it has to do with your penile gland. And it would be... You know what? No, seriously, your penile gland's a real thing. I know your penile gland's a real thing, motherfucker. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, no, don't just dismiss me. It's real. Your penile gland's important. But I did... Look, uh, the second, uh, the first video I watched on this was about, I, I looked up aphantasia and I realized it wasn't the internal monologue thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then my my YouTube was set to autoplay and the next fucking video that came up was about fluoride in the water and calcification of the penile gland. Yes! Not, uh, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> this, I'm so happy. This, I was like, this motherfucker has tried to put me on a damn woo-woo rat chase. <laughs> You're going to start getting recommendations like I do. Holy crap. Speaking of, I got a recommendation to join the birds aren't real group. Oh my God. 
my conspiracy heart leapt through the roof. I was like, this is incredible. I have made it. I have officially made it. You've, you've made it. You're you're one of the you're one of the real crazies uh, now. One of us. One of yes. us. Now I just have to lead us. Lead us into where? Revolution, bitch. Revolution. Revolution. Where they <laughs> take down all the fake birds. Jeez. Yes. Yes. And expose all the lizard people. We got to do it. Okay, stop. We got to do I, it. I'm not doing this every fucking episode, Jessica. Every episode with the lizard people now. If we, I mean, if you, it goes to it, it goes to it. Oh, my God. I can't help it. You can help it. You can I help can't. it. You do it. You're doing it to ruffle my scales at this point. Ah! <laughs> but. You admitted it. I didn't admit anything. You're a lizard person. Um, nothing. And everything. Mm-hmm. All at once. That. Okay, and I'm the one with the God complex? I've Excuse just, me? I've just been meditating a lot lately. Oh, so you're all zen. Yeah, I'm trying to be. So, it, speaking it actually, of meditation. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I wonder if, I wonder if these, like, people that don't have the visualization uh-huh. and don't have the internal monologue, if they can meditate easier or if it's harder for them. Like, is it easier for I, them to clear their mind, you know? I really wonder about that, too. Um, and I was also wanting to tie it to something else. We'll go down this further, right? Don't don't let me get off meditation without forgetting. Uh, so, that, that specifically, I feel like it would be much, much easier to meditate if I didn't have an internal monologue that I had to quiet. See, I do, too. But, for me, when I meditate, I use a lot of visual kind of stuff like I'm picturing a lot of Mm -hmm. things in my mind's eye to help me like I I do this thing where I imagine my entire like starting from the soles of my feet like my um like it's like there's like a white light that slowly rises and completely uh encompasses my whole body right right and then I picture uh, the entire world, like, going into that as well, right? So it's like mm-hmm. everything becomes just white light around me, and then that's just, like, my process of quieting everything down. And then I can be in a real meditative space, and I don't have to use those sort of visual visualizations anymore. See, I have to do the same thing. I have a whole process by which I visualize myself walking through a like a scenic kind of scenario. It changes, varies, whichever one I want it to. Yeah. And then I come to a clearing, a body of water, a fire, whatever. And then I imagine the purifying and cleansing and rejuvenating white light. So I feel like okay, for see, me, if I yeah, didn't you have get it, all, it would you be get harder. You get all woo with it and say the light's purifying you and it's just a fucking tool for me. So Well, no, it's, it's a, but the, that's how visual I am that it has to have that even the visualization has meaning behind it. Right. That it's a purpose to the visualization. Yeah. See, um, I think I, so I, I wonder if the, like not, not having the visual. So, because some people meditate just by focusing on their breath, you know, Right. Yeah. And that's never that's never quite worked with me because it just made me really aware 
I mean, it, it kind of works, but it doesn't work as well as the other thing that I do. And it might just... It doesn't work for me. I get become too focused on my breathing. Yeah. like and That's I, too small of a thing for me to focus on. Yeah. Well, I, what, what I'll do if I'm trying to focus on my breathing in that way is I'll still start noticing the rest of my body. Um, like, which is the, the way that it... That I first learned to meditate was focus on your breathing and then notice the way that wherever you're sitting feels like maybe you're sitting on a chair that feels very soft or it's got a hard back or whatever. And then once you begin noticing all of that, like it's, it's kind of like focusing on it all at one time. Um, Becoming super aware. Yeah. Allows you to let go. Right. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, I suppose it works in the same way, but um, I don't, I, I wonder how hard it would be for someone to even go down that road because I mean, I guess someone could explain it to them and then they could just feel it out in theory. But I mean, to start learning how to meditate, I had to listen to guided meditations. Right. And that was right. that was the first one that I heard. So that's how I first learned to do it. And it sounds like you what you described was like one of those 800 million guided meditations on YouTube where they're like, imagine you're walking through a forest and you hear all the birds and you feel the cool wind on your face and this and that. Right. Um, I started meditating long before YouTube. It was in a book. <laughs> it was in a it was in a book, so that would probably work. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like yeah. that's how most people do now. Like they listen to, uh, you know, those apps are really popular. And right, right. If you're someone who can't visualize things, I think that would be much much harder. Yeah, I feel like it would be specific kinds. Like they couldn't. Guided meditations would be harder, but the just sit and focus and breathe would be easier. It might be. It might be. Um, yeah, they might just have to be really... The the kind of guided meditations that they have to go for might be very specific. The, the things that work for them, which I feel like right. I, I can do pretty much any of them to some mm. extent. There are just some that I like more than others. Yeah. But... Going along with that thing we were talking about earlier about how you start feeling overwhelmed, like when you get the Lyme brain thing or like when I get really busy, um, you know, there's a reason people will tell you to stop and take a few deep breaths. You know, it's because that's that's sort of a, a meditative act. But right, right. I wonder if, uh, you know, if we're going along with what I was wondering that, you know, they can just process that kind of stuff easier I wonder if they have a lesser need to meditate for that kind of control. Oh, okay. That they, since they process it differently, they have maybe more efficient processing skills since it doesn't yeah. have to go through that extra filtered stuff. Okay. Yeah, that seems, that seems like it's certainly plausible to me or I could just be like putting so much on these people that anyone who does have that and is listening to this is fucking screaming at me this whole podcast I mean this this is completely blown my mind I didn't even know they existed so anything is possible to me at this point like I had no idea people didn't if you said the you know the words red star people didn't see a red star in their head like Exactly. That blows my mind. I, I had no well, I idea. Mean, or that people I read a book it. and don't and don't like people read a book and don't picture the character or the scenario and the scene. That's just crazy to me. 
I had thought about it before, but in the context of people like Helen Keller, right? Okay, yeah, because, yeah. Because, uh, you know, Helen Keller was deaf well, that's and different. blind, so, like, it, it is different, but that that's why it surprised me so much that there were people experiencing life in that way, because I... I don't think Helen Keller was imagining the world in like those like hand signs she had to do to people, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, I, I very severely doubt that, but also she had never seen anything in her life. So without words or any visual cues at all, you still grasp the world in as firm a way as she did. Cause she was, I mean, prolific, you know? Yeah, she so, was. I, I really wonder the kind of superpower this can be because, I mean, she she was coming from a place of such severe disadvantage starting out that once she got her foothold, she really, I mean, she did more than most anyone who ever lives. But I feel like in that scenario, you're, you have to take into consideration the fighter spirit that comes from overcoming obstacles like that on a daily basis. Like, not point. to compare... Not to compare, you know, chronic illness to something as debilitating as not having sight or speech or hearing. You know, that's that's a whole nother level. But as someone with chronic illness, it's always been something that I have to overcome. There's not a single day that I have that there's not something that goes wrong. Right. So I'm able to overcome, you know, what other people would sit down and start crying over is a fucking tuesday for me so you just keep trucking on so you have to take that into consideration i feel like you're underselling yourself a little bit because i've i mean i've seen you obviously the people listening to this haven't seen it the way that i have but i've seen you go through stuff like i wouldn't get out of bed most days that you're going fucking shopping you know (laughs) yeah so i mean of course, of course, like I just think it's a different set of obstacles, and obviously that happened in a time where that there wasn't much, the, there weren't the type of resources, but and there weren't opportunities either. Yeah, so I've been clever with mine and designed my opportunities to fit in with my illness. Exactly. So I mean, I would I would yeah. definitely say that's <clears throat> analogous, at least. You know, I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't short sell you because you've you've done a great a great job of dealing with the hands you've been held you've been dealt yeah and i would say that i try to that's what she did too and you know you're over here trying to manifest you know fucking world domination so fuck yeah pinky okay <laughs> you're fine <laughs> <laughs> i know i just i don't like to toot my own horn with things like that well, I'll, like I'll it toot feels your weird because, yeah I'll, you can toot it yeah i'll toot it for you because i i, I am genuinely impressed with you know how how much you've done and and people like uh like the guy the people who run Lime Warrior right yeah I mean to start a nonprofit in the throes of your illness while bedridden yeah yeah that's, that's impressive that's a huge fucking deal and there's a lot of people doing stuff like that there's a lot of really inspiring people who are in a in a in a state that you know I like I said I wouldn't get out of bed yeah I so, mean there's a there's times where I don't. I mean, honestly, if I sat down and thought about it, I couldn't tell you how I do it. Like, it's sheer sheer willpower. That's what I run off of. It's never, anything I get done is never because I feel up to doing it. No, it's because I'm gonna do it despite how I feel. Yeah, exactly. I I feel like someone like you and Helen Keller would probably get along. 
probably you know. would. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. don't don't short sell yourself. And I I think a lot of the people who come from that kind of disadvantage are incredible people, not because of their you know disadvantages, but because of how they overcome their disadvantages. I used to, I used to be the exact opposite on this actually. Like when I was an edgy fucking you know seventeen year old, I'm just like I don't care. Like people are tooting your horn just because you're sick or something. Like yeah, I yeah. felt like it was an overly sympathetic thing. But yeah, like I, I, I've come to see that, oh, it's not that a sick person is getting credit just because they're sick. It's that a sick person has developed this resilience, like a sick person that rises up and does something right. And I, and I don't, Exa- yeah. I don't think the, I don't, I don't think any less of someone who doesn't because I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's an awful situation. It's not in everybody. In. Sometimes, right. sometimes the most fight you have is to fight your own battles inside of yourself yeah. and that's okay. Support the ones that do have the, you know, the bigger desire to do it. Yeah, exactly. And what what inevitably happens is in, you know, in people like you or, you know, Helen Keller or I, I, I feel like I'm referencing Helen Keller way too much. But um, what what happens is you once you once you learn to deal with that illness, you've already developed such a greater capacity to do things that you don't really like once once you come out of it even a little bit, it's like you're operating at a higher level than most people are who have never had to deal with anything like that. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it before on a personal level with um, me that I don't have fear. I really don't. There's not a lot that scares me to the point of like that debilitating fear. I can have a big dream and a big idea and believe in myself 100% without a shadow of a doubt because I know what else I face and I know what else I've been able to do and overcome. So it gives me that, like that internal self-confidence that I wish, I wish I could have had without having to go through the sickness, but it's so, so beneficial to me. Yeah. So we've, we've gone way off track here, but yeah, we have a bit. I think the, the reason I was referencing Helen Keller so much is because I think like her, like not having to process things in the way that we have to process things probably like made her intellectually sharper and gives you a give them a i'm sorry gives a different perspective too a fresher new approach you know it's all about i saw this really cool uh post where this mom gave her kid a camera Mm-hmm. And she posted all the pictures that he took. I mean, he was like a four or five-year-old little kid. Right. And just the angles, just because of that different point of view, the pictures, every single one looked like it could have been a professional picture just because it's a different angle than what you're used to. So it's something fresh and new and exciting and different lighting and shadows and all of that. So maybe that's why we look at some people as such revolutionaries, and it just goes back to how they just see the world differently. Yeah. That it can be something like aphantasia or not having an internal monologue or the opposite of having, you know, the other spectrum of it where you're purely visual and purely, you know, 
interdialectual. Dialectual? I do not know Inter- what you would say that yeah, word. Yeah, I don't either. Interdialectical. <laughs> I I really dialect yeah. isn't even the word. So I, I mean, feel like I really like came up with that one out of nowhere. You might have, but I, f- I feel like it's the the concept is obvious enough. I really I I just I think a lot of people. It's this is one of those things where. I think in the years to come, different types of intelligence will be valued differently, right? So like neurodiversity will be more accepted? Yeah, I really do. Um, yeah. And I mean, there's already a movement kind of starting with that because there are a lot of very high-functioning people with autism, right? Or that right, are that right. on the autism spectrum. And that, varying dis- learning disabilities. Right, and, and they're good in, you know, in, in ways that are different than you know you or i who you know as far as i right. know n- neither of us have have autistic you know uh i don't qualities. think i am but i mean i seriously with as broad as the spectrum is i wouldn't be surprised if i was somewhere on the spectrum yeah well with it being a spectrum i feel like everyone is has to be somewhere on is there on there somewhere yeah. yeah but i think because when you hear people talk about valuing different types of intelligence i th- that's one of the things that gets brought up you know endlessly but i think when when we can start bringing different kinds of uh different kinds of intelligence in that isn't just because i think a lot of people just see that and they say oh they're trying to justify people with what is you know commonly thought of as a disorder right 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 but uh, and i mean it's it's definitely detrimental in in a lot of ways to a lot of people but to some other people they they can use it to their advantage because it's just the way that they think right so 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 basically by by removing the stigma on neurodiversity we're able to allow those different ways of thinking and processing and creating to flourish more yeah like I think that yeah. that traditional measure of IQ one day won't be leaned upon. I think that'll be nearly, laughable, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it won't be leaned upon nearly as heavily as it is now, because I mean, I mean there are people I know who have tested pretty low in IQ, but it's like their emotional intelligence is really high. Where mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know my IQ, and I'm not trying to be one of those I'm very smart people, but like I. I, d- I I perform in in ways that tra- like traditionally high IQ people do. Do you know like I right. f- I feel like an asshole saying that. But I mean, I know my IQ, but we're not going to go into that. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like 4. But uh No, it's pretty I pretty know, decent. I'm, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> um but pretty I think, decent. I think that metric it isn't going to be that good because yeah, like me like my, I, I look at someone who who's who I know got IQ tested because they were worried, you know, they might have a learning disability because they weren't doing well in school. And then this person, right. this person can say something to me over something I've been puzzling about for, you know, fucking weeks. And it's just like they cut it down to the simplest thing. You know, yeah. it's like, no, it's, it's just a different it's perspective. Yeah, it's a different perspective. And I think all of these perspectives are really important. So someone who doesn't think visually is going to have a different perspective than someone who only thinks visually and someone who thinks visually and, um, you know, with an internal monologue 
is going to be strong in some ways that someone who doesn't, you know, isn't. It's the yin and yang. It's the balance. You need both of them for it to make it, make it a whole piece. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I I wasn't planning on jumping on a fucking diversity, uh, soapbox over here, but neither was I, but it does seem like something that is going to be important. And if we all, you know, if we can develop teams of people who, people of different backgrounds, this is one of the things that really bugs me about a lot of uh, diversity stuff is they act like as long as you take all these certain boxes that are like cultural and ethnic boxes, then you've got your diversity covered. And it's like, you're not even fucking close, man. Like you hadn't even scraped the surface. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And focusing on getting different type of, different types of thinking you know settled in it would be better no i totally agree with you and i think that the different points of view and the different taking in socioeconomic uh background and ethical i mean just anything if you just you have to surround yourself if you're wanting to make change with people that think varying degrees different than yours but a key part of that that everybody really has to take into consideration that you surround yourself with other people that think differently than you and have different opinions and view sets but you still have to respect them for having those views like you can respect somebody for having a different view on religion politics or whatever but still have that respect because that's what they choose to live their life and how they think and how they process the world yeah, I do think there's a uh, an issue people run into though where they conflate agreement with respect, right? So like some people will say um I I I they some people will right. only agree with people uh, respect people because they agree with them, right? And that there's like I feel like you can respect someone while holding like a very different view to them because you you know that they come to it right i mean i respect the belief just as much like the the act of belief just as much as i respect that you what you believe right so i mean it makes sense to me I i feel like we're getting off on like like what you believe versus like how how you like uh get to it i guess or how you process things but there will certainly be the type of elitist who are like well no because i think like right it goes back to diversity then i think the right way and that's just that's something we're gonna have to leave behind yeah so yeah well i guess we can go ahead and wrap up the show i hope everybody enjoyed aphantasia or and or the lack of inner monologue and visualization or visualization, not and or. Yeah. Right. And if anyone is, I, I would really, really love to hear if anyone who listens is, you know, has anything to do with it. Like we, we I could would even love to talk to them on It'd here. All like over we could release a short segment about it. Yeah. Because the, the two of us poking around in the dark over here. <laughs> Really yeah, felt that'd be like a great we needed someone who could speak too. to it from so a place of hopefully knowledge. Hopefully somebody will reach out to us that has this type of diversity in their thinking and we can pick their brain a little bit.
you've been sitting here uh, practicing for a TED Talk for what seems like 10 minutes. It's already awkward. Yeah, I know. I'm kind of liking it. I think we've just about reached our time. I think we have. So, all right, everybody, go out there, get the information you need. We We have no information on said family. We have no information on anything. We know nothing. Uh, We look forward to talking to you next time. See you next time, guys.